Today marks 48 years since the decision of Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. This has been the watershed moral issue of our day, and tragically, after 48 years, it's heading in the wrong direction. In these past 48 years, over 60 million unborn babies were aborted. The number I have seen is probably 62 million yet-to-be-born babies were executed in the womb. This is the moral tragedy of our day. And this is filled with incredible supernatural deception. Years ago, I interviewed Dr. Jean Garten. She was a resident in Pensacola, New Jersey, the mother of four children, and she happened to be a professor in a medical school. She tells this story in a book she wrote entitled, Who Broke the Baby? She wrote, all our children were in bed, the late television news was over, and I was putting the finishing touches into a presentation for medical students scheduled to be given the next day. As I reviewed some slides which might be used, there appeared on the screen a picture of an abortion victim, age two and one-half months, gestation, 10 weeks. Her body had been dismembered by curate, the long-handled knife used in a DNC abortion procedure. Suddenly, I heard rather than saw another person near me. At the sound of a sharp intake of breath, I turned to find that my youngest son, then a sleepy, rumpled three-year-old, had unexpectedly and silently entered the room. His small voice was filled with great sadness as he asked, Who broke the baby? Then Dr. Garten goes on to say, How could this small, innocent child see what so many adults cannot see? How could he know instinctively that which many people carelessly dismisses tissue or a blob was a being with him, was like him? In the words of his question, he gave humanity to what adults call fetal matter. In the tone of his question, he mourned what we exalt as a sign of liberation and freedom. With a wisdom that often escapes the learning, he asked in the presence of the evidence before his eyes, who broke the baby? It is hard to imagine, but today there will be many that will celebrate this decision made by the Supreme Court of our land, which I would suggest to you has placed us under the very judgment of God. That's where we are. In terms of the current administration, the Biden administration, we must obey biblical truth and pray for those in leadership, and we must be submissive to legitimate ordained authority. Absolutely. But by the same token, we can speak up when it comes to a moral issue such as this. To me, it was a further demonstration of deception that someone could place a hand on a Bible and be holding to those things that run totally contrary to biblical truth. All one would have to do is turn to the first couple of pages in the Bible and see that God made them male and female. God did that. And then later to go to a Psalm 139 and see that God literally weaves an individual in his mother's womb. How can you put your hand on a Bible and then deny some of the most important truth found therein? And that is very, very disturbing. It really is. We must continue to speak up for the innocent unborn. We must do so 
with passionate hearts always abiding by legal mandates. But we must speak up. Now, one way you can do that is to use some of what we have aired on this particular broadcast, and we want to make that very convenient for you. Have you heard the three-part series we did with Carol Everett, who once ran the largest abortion clinic in the city of Dallas? If you haven't heard those three short segments of the interview I did with Carol years ago, you need to. And if there's anyone that needs to understand the reality of what's taking place, those interviews are extremely helpful. So you can find those at our website, livetheword.org. Please share those, especially share those with those who are facing a crisis pregnancy. In addition to the testimony of Carol Everett, look for the testimony of Joy White, who talks about putting her baby up for adoption a very moving account of the decision she made and how God honored that in wonderful ways. And let me also take a moment right now to share with you a phone call we received from Grace. In her case, she heard a message on a radio program, Hope for the Heart with June Hunt, and everything changed as Grace was preparing to have an abortion. I I was faced with abortion myself. I was a divorcee. I had two kids already, um, and as a single mom, it was tough. And three years ago, I found myself pregnant and very much shunned and disowned by my my parents um, because of it. And um, I got a lot of criticism about it, about being pregnant. And I, I tried to get an abortion three times. I called June Hunt as an anonymous miscaller that time. It was so big a day before my abortion, my my actual planned abortion, and she talked me out of it, wow. telling me that have you ever thought about gifting a child, you know? To and I after that it just opened up the door. And my my mind was like, oh, I can actually gift this baby away right. and make it a blessing for somebody else. And so I that was my goal at least to kind of. Keep it, keep going with my pregnancy at least to give it to somebody. And, you can, and there are so many people that are great Christians that are welcoming and so wanting to adopt my baby. And it turned out my I was just so attached to him, and my my brother, their brother, his brother and sister, really was so excited. We're going to be brothers and sisters. And I mean, after having two pregnancies before, I know what's inside of me. It is, and a heartbeat forms within just weeks and just to I, that's the reason why I couldn't go through with with an abortion um, wow. and I'm so glad I didn't yeah but I, I I've been there for anybody who's any moms that are out there um, who's faced who's been faced with that I mean my pregnancy I was crying every night and I know how bleak and and just desperate it feels and and you're shamed and um, it, it feels just terrible, and it feels like the only solution. But as um, June Hunt had told me, is is you can't really wrong another wrong, right? So, yeah, that that, that helped me through that. And it was like, okay, well, I can try to make things right. And I stayed, I remained faithful. Um, family situation isn't good still, but I couldn't have written God's story for me any any better with my own pen in my hand. I, I, I'm right now, yes, I suffered a lot, I, but I persevered, 
and I can say um, that I, you know, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. My story right now wouldn't have been any more lovely. I have a almost to be three year old son wow. who is just so adored and so brilliant, and to think that he wouldn't be on this earth if I had made a huge mistake. Now, Grace, I want people to hear because what June Hunt of Hope for the Heart did for you at this moment you're doing for others. There's someone listening that might be in the exact same position that you were in, and they're hearing your account, and now with a three-year-old little boy. Now, I I trust June knows this story, does she? Yes, and I personally visited her myself, and I I cannot thank her enough, and she's overjoyed. I I brought him to her on his second birthday, and yeah, she's a blessing. She is a very sweet lady. She and I have done some things yes. together, and you're fantastic to share this. And thank you for being real. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for uh, responding to what the Lord God shared through June. We're down to just a couple of minutes, so let me just make a statement here about the election, the inauguration, and abortion. I did find it very difficult to see President Biden put his hand on a Bible and knowing the positions that he holds to. I find that very disturbing. Again, we have biblical directives that we must follow, but by the same token, we need to stand up for the innocent unborn. We need to be salt and light. That brings me to the division that took place in the body of Christ where reportedly some 17% of professing evangelicals did not vote the Republican platform that defends the life of the unborn. 17%. As I understand it, probably the numbers are significant to the point where the election could have been swayed for a pro-life agenda. Why did they not vote for the Republican agenda? Because of their disdain for President Donald J. Trump. And I fully understand why some would be concerned because of some of his history, as well as some of his, his actions. I get that. But now what we're going to see is a reality. Some, by the way, said that, that there's no difference under a Democratic administration and a Republican administration in terms of abortion. That's not true. In fact, we know that. Because since Joe Biden became President Biden, he has already signed an executive order, I assume it is, in which it allows taxpayer money, our money, the taxes that are collected from your income and my income, can be used in other countries to promote abortion. That's the practical reality here. Now, we have a biblical mandate to pray for those in authority. And when you go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, made this statement, gave this exhortation. He says, first of all, in other words, top priority, I urge, so he's literally exhorting, he's begging, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, thanksgiving be made for all people. So in other words, we come before God recognizing all the dimensions of our lives, and we pray for all people on the planet. But then we, we really focus in on, it says in verse 2, those in authority, for kings and all who are in high positions. We need to be praying 
for Joe Biden and those in his administration. We need to pray for those that are in authority in our states. It becomes more and more obvious as we look at how things have played out that what takes place in our state legislature is vitally important. And so it says, for kings and all in high positions, and why? What are we praying for? That ultimately God moves on them in such a way that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And that's what we're longing for, the opportunity to have an environment where we can communicate the good news, the gospel, that we can reach out to people. Because it goes on and says in verse 3, this is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior to have an environment where his death on the cross can be extended to people in the best possible way. And then it says, verse 4, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to pray for salvation in, in our leaders, that they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And that changes everything when they embrace the Word of God and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's be praying for President Biden and for all of those in leadership in our country.